This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. And so I want us to ask ourselves some questions that what, what is available to us when we come into the family of God? What do we have at our, um, what do we have access to? Because our Father has created us to win in every situation in life. Now, what does winning look like to you? Because you ask people from all over the world, what, what, it, what does winning look like? What does success look like? And years ago, the Lord says, Trey says, success looks like you being in the process of knowing me and being the best you that you can be. If every one of us are in the process of going after God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and discovering who we are in Christ Jesus and being our best, that is what success looks like. Because if we are knowing God and being our best, increase has to come. Victory has to come. Overcoming will be a manifestation of our relationship with God. That is who we are. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. Now, whenever we come into the family of God, when we come out of the kingdom of darkness... Now we're fixing to start going somewhere. Are you ready? When we come out of the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we've got to ask, okay, what, what just happened? That, that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that we are, we're now new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. So instantly, when you call upon the name of Jesus you're born again, you can be assured of your eternal destiny with God, you'll spend eternity in heaven, and that is a great thing, right? But if we have been redeemed, and we're getting ready to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, right, and, and celebrate our redemption and what was, took place on the cross and the, and the burial and the resurrection, and, and if Jesus came to redeem you and I, and the word redeemed, Redemption means to purchase and re. Anytime you see the prefix re in front of a word, it always means to take back to the original, take back to the beginning. So Jesus came to purchase you and I to bring us back to be who we are originally created to be. So when we are reborn, we are born again to come back to be who God has called and created us to be. We're recreated, brought back to be who we're created to be. Now he says re new your mind, take your mind and bring it back to the place that it was created to think from because your mind was created to think only on healing. Your mind was created to think only on prosperity. Your mind was created to, to think only on overcoming, only victory. Adam did not know what the curse was in the beginning. He didn't know lack. He didn't know sorrow. He didn't know sickness. He didn't know defeat. So when Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, bring your mind back to the place that it was originally created to think from. He says, now you're going to prove, not guess, not wish, not hope, but prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You with me? So let's just picture, let, hold your place right there. Um, and, and I'm going to refer to a lot of scriptures today. And so if you hear me refer to a scripture, you're taking notes, hopefully you are. Um, write those scriptures down because I want you to be able to look at it with your own eyes and build your life on the Word of God. Uh, go to the right, Colossians chapter 1. And let's, let's start in verse 12. And we'll go back to Romans 8. It says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion 
which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. I'm reading now the Amplified Translation, verse 13. It says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. The Father has, that means already, has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Verse 14, in whom we have our redemption through His blood. Pastor was talking on the blood, which means the forgiveness of sin. But verse 13 says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself. Say, The Father has delivered and drawn me to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred me into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Now, if the Father has delivered you and I from the power of darkness and we're transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, then why does the battle still roar so strong? Why is it that the body of Christ is still getting the crud kicked out of them? Why do we still feel like we're in a boxing match day in and day out? Why does it seem so hard to overcome and so hard to prosper and so hard to conquer why, if we've come out of the kingdom of darkness, we're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus, He does not have the right to control our family. He does not have the right to control our finances. He does not have the right to control our family. He does not have the right. So how does it keep happening? Reminds me of a story I read. This guy... His buddy had noticed he had a bunch of goats and stuff there at his house. And, and, and so one night he's sitting at home, and his phone rings, he answers it, and his buddy says, hey, there's, there's a goat that's in the bar ditch, and it looks like one of your goats, and I think you need to go, go check it out. So the guy gets there. He thought he got hit by a car or something, and so he goes and he checks out the goat, and he realized somebody had stolen one of his goats, and he, had just, he was just tied up there in the bar ditch. And so the guy untied him, you know, and... And, and when he untied him, the goat just still stayed there, just still, still bound, still tied up. And, and so he you know, moved the goat's legs apart there so he would know that he was free and the goat still just laid there. So finally he grabbed the goat and he picked the goat up so the goat could get his legs underneath him there. And once the goat realized that he was, he was free and untied, he just kind of hopped off. And that's kind of what happens to us as Christians sometimes, that Satan has had the people bound... Jesus came to untie us, but until we realize we're free, we stay paralyzed and act like we're still tied by His, 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 His assignment. So we come out of the kingdom of darkness and we come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Instantly, instantly we have a new start. Instantly we are made alive because of Jesus. But then it's a process to renew our mind and bring our emotions and bring our body into alignment with the Word of God. So picture, I come out of the kingdom of darkness. Now over here in the kingdom of darkness, every one of us under Satan's control because of the fall in the Garden of Eden of what Adam did. It says sin is passed upon all man, right? I don't, I'm, I don't have time. I'll leave that for Pastor to go back and uh, I'm sure you probably know the foundational stuff there. But so, so in the kingdom of darkness, under Satan's control, Maybe you were scarred because of the environment you came from. 
Maybe, maybe you were in that drug-infested environment where you thought it was normal to stick something in your arm and to shove something up your nose, and, and you thought it was normal to see your dad hit your mom, and you thought it was normal to not even have a dad, and you, maybe, you, maybe you grew up in an environment that your family just it looked like it exploded, and you didn't know what order was, and you didn't know right from wrong, and, 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 and it was just normal for for things just to be odd and out of whack. And, and so you, you, in the kingdom of darkness, there might be scars on the inside of you, hurt, pain from a divorce, financial situation. What, what Life, life. And we come into the kingdom of God. And what the enemy does, no one holds you from accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now that you're in the kingdom, he says, okay, I can't. I, I tried to hold them, and I tried. I wanted them to go to hell, but now that they're a born again child of God, so now, 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 what do I do? What do I do? I tell you what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm going to look for that area of hurt in their life. I, I'm going to look for that scar, the way that they see life through that pain and that dysfunction. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go after that. And if I can get them so roused up emotionally and so bound emotionally. Yeah, they might be going to heaven, but they are going to live like hell while they are on this earth. But see, a, a mind that isn't in the process of being renewed is still separated from God. Now your spirit, man, you, you are connected with God, but your way of thinking is still separated from God. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Are you quiet because you're listening? Are you quiet because you need to take a nap? Listening, okay, I like that answer a lot better. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. It says, Because their carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Uh, let's look at verse 6 in the Amplified. I'll start verse 6 in the Amplified. It says, Now... The mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death, death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. Verse 7, that is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So you might be recreated on the inside of you. You might be a new creature in Christ Jesus. But if our mind isn't in the process of being renewed to God's word, it says our mind is still hostile towards the way of God. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we're, we're asking the question, how come, how come do I still get the crud kicked out of me? Because in this life, Jesus said, you're going to have trials and tribulations. He says, but be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world and I've deprived it of power to harm you. In other words, you're destined to overcome. You're destined to win. No matter what you're facing, you have what it takes to be everything God has called and created you to be. So when you come into the kingdom of God, let's make today a starting day. Let's make today the now day. Let's make today the day that we do let go of the past and we make a decision, I'm going to press towards the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's make the day that the real you comes alive. Let's make today where we make a decision, okay? I'm starting to see, okay, yes, I'm saved, but I'm, I'm destined to win. I'm destined to overcome. I'm created in the image and likeness of God. How do I overcome in my family? How do I overcome in my business? How do I be all that God has called and created me to be? Because I'm still thinking the way that I used to 
think, yes, I, I'm saved, I'm born again, but I still have a problem with pornography. I still have a problem with this addiction. I still have a problem of flying off the handle. I still have all these things. How come? Why, why is that still happening if Satan has lost all of its power? Maybe we're like that goat. But Jesus has already delivered us from the power of darkness. Sin does not have dominion over you and I. But maybe we need to realize that we're free. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people, they're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Maybe our thinking is still separate from God because we think it takes too much time to come to church. It takes too much time to open the Bible. It takes too much time. It's too hard. It's, I would rather listen to, well, you know, all this smoking, drinking, my dog got run over, instead of listening to the Word. <laughs> Some of our Facebook uh, live friends there... Uh, and this is, this is very important that, that we learn, and I honor your pastors for respecting the things of God because a lot of the churches we go to, and, and that, that's just between them and the Lord, but pastoring and dealing with people for years now, they come, they're saved, they're born again, but they come back into that environment where they've taken a song from the world and they've, they've turned it around where they're singing Christian words, but the tunes still take that person that just got saved and they've dealt with drugs for 20 years and, and alcohol for 20 years and whatever it is, and because of that music and the tunes, their emotions, their senses aren't trained with the Word of God, so it arouses that old person and takes them right back into the bondage that they just wanted to get free from. I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> That's kind of a touch and go. We'll sow that seed and we'll keep moving, okay? Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Whose minds, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. Whose mind the God of this age, talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So a person can come out of the kingdom of darkness, come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, but their mind still be separated from God. Their mind could still be blinded from the light of the word of God until you make the decision... I'm going to bring my mind into alignment with the real me and I'm going to start thinking the way that God thinks about me. I'm going to start thinking about my body, my family, my finances, my destiny, my purpose according to the Word of God. If I'm not in the process of doing that, I'm still separate from God's way. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I said it a while ago, but it bears repeating here. So what do we do? We start in order for us to walk in the freedom in order for us to overcome, in order for us to conquer, in order for us, no matter what storm of life shows up, in order for us to win, what is, what is our job? What is our part? Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 says, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Have a fresh, fresh, everybody say fresh, fresh. mental and spiritual attitude. Mental and spiritual attitude, have a fresh, fresh, fresh. You, one of the definitions of fresh means to revive. It means new. How long has it been since you've had a new thought? That's good. That's good. Some of you, it's been 12 
12 decades maybe. But he says, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. In other words, every day when his mercy is new every day, there's a freshness built into this day so you and I can think right. You and I can believe right. You and I can speak right. You and I can focus correctly. You and I can overcome no matter what the devil comes against us with. We win. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. Our mind is no longer separate. Our mind is no longer thinking the way it used to think. But now we're bringing it into alignment with the word of God. Go back to Romans chapter 8. So I'm glad I came today. Verse 35. This is Paul speaking here and he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves, who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice how he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul, this is a man who was on the front lines, who was the leader of the early church and You've got to know, and Pastor mentioned it earlier, when you come out of the kingdom of darkness and you come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and you start renewing your mind and you start receiving the Word of God, the Word of God carries the life of God. And, and every time I welcome the Word of God, James tells us when we welcome the engrafted Word of God, that Word has the power to change the way we think. It has the power to change our will. It has the power to change our emotions. So I, I, we welcome the Word of God. Say, I welcome the Word of God. When you're welcoming the Word of God and you start to change the way you think and you start growing, when you start growing, you start taking back what the enemy has stolen from you and your family and now you start to become a, a, a force to be reckoned with upon this earth, not because of anything you do physically in yourself but because of who you are in Christ Jesus and because of the power of the Word of God. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel, the Word of God, it's the power of God unto salvation. So when you start embracing the Word of God and thinking on the Word of God and living the Word of God, there's power there for us to overcome anything, say anything, that we're facing. Because see, the day what happened whenever... The day that, that Satan sit there and he had to watch when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and now the same spirit that disarmed him, the same spirit that kicked his tail the same spirit that took the power of death, hell, and the grave, the same spirit that took the crown off of his head and took the keys from his hand and handed it to you and I, the same spirit that was in him now started entering men on the earth. And for thousands of years, his domain hadn't been touched with. Hadn't been messed with. He was, he was still the God of this world. He was, he was still the one who was in authority. Yes, there were some victories here and victories there, but now things changed. When he had to sit there and he watched the spirit of the living God make a public display of him and he no longer had power and authority over man. He no longer had the right to control you and your family and everything about you. He no longer had a right. But when he watched the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now not only just being Jesus, but being mankind, he flipped his lid. And fear, that's what he is full of. That's who he is, is fear totally consumed him of what am I going to do now? 
What am I going to do now? I've lost control of my territory. I've lost control of mankind. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? I'm going to go to those hard areas. I'm going to go to those hurt areas. I'm going to go to those areas that haven't been surrendered to God yet. And I'm going to mess their life completely up. Yes, they might be going to heaven, but I'm going to stop them from being anything that God wanted them to be while they're here on this earth. But that's where you and I have to rise up and make a decision. Not me, Turkey. Not me. I'm a born-again child of God. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I have the Word of God, the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that was in Jesus is in you and I. The same Spirit that disarmed Him. The same Spirit that made a public example of Him. The same Spirit is in you and I if you're a born-again child of God. Yes, give the Lord praise. So as we start learning and as we start applying the Word and as we start growing, the devil does not want you and I to progress. He doesn't want you to fulfill your destiny. He doesn't want your family to stay together. He don't want you to stay free. He doesn't want you to walk in love. He doesn't want you to walk in peace. When Paul was starting the early church, Satan influenced a man by the name of Nero who ended up putting Paul in prison where Satan thought he was going to shut down what the church was doing. Satan thought he had the church shut down because his job every day he gets up thinking, how can I kill? How can I steal? How can I destroy? And Paul, he was building churches and he was building leaders and he was expanding the kingdom of God and he was answering problems and people were getting set free and healed and saved and delivered. The same spirit that was in Jesus was in this man and he was making a difference and it ticked the devil off. So he got put in prison thinking that that was going to shut him down. But what did he do? He went on and he penned two-thirds of the New Testament. See, when a leader has some gumption about them, when a person is really after the heart of God, they're not playing church, they don't look at God as a, a genie in a bottle, they don't look at God as a lucky rabbit's foot, but they're after the heart of God. No weapon formed against them will prosper. They have a different mentality, and you are created to have a different mentality. That when you get up in the morning, you know what you're thinking? You're thinking overcome. You're thinking win. You're thinking healed. You're thinking blessed. You're thinking victory, because that is who God is in you. And whenever, whenever he couldn't shut down Paul, what about John? He, he thought he had John. He, 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 you know, he influenced Demetrian, the emperor of the time, and he put John on the Isle of Patmos. But because John was a man that was serious about his relationship with God, what happened? Satan didn't shut down the church. He received the book of Revelation. What about Aquila and Priscilla? And, and I'm talking about when you and I, we start growing and we start becoming. Don't you be afraid of the devil. The devil should be afraid of you. Now, apart from God, we are no match from the devil. He was one of the most brilliant, intelligent angels that there was. But whenever he fell, and whenever you came into connection with God, now he's no match for you and I. He's a defeated foe. But it takes us continually renewing our mind. And it takes us continually being after the heart of God. This is not just a one-time thing. This is a, a lifestyle that you're changing the way you think. And when you change the way you think, you change the way you believe. And when you change the way you believe, you change what you expect. And when you change what you expect, you change how you talk. And you change your attitude. And you change your daily disciplines. And now, now your character is beginning to change. And now your destiny is starting to unfold. But it all starts with a decision that I'm going to think different. I'm going to think in alignment with the Word of God. Aquila and Priscilla, another force in Rome. They, they started the church in Rome and 
people were getting saved and born again, and they were discipling people, and it ticked the devil off. So they got kicked out of Rome, and, and most people, they would have sat there and sucked their thumb and quit. But they didn't. They kept moving. Say, they kept moving. They kept stepping. They kept going after God. Even when things didn't look the way they thought it should look, even whenever they were hurt, they kept going after God. Even whenever they thought their dream was one thing and it looked like the devil shut a door in their face, they kept going after God. What did they keep doing? They kept going after... What do we do? We keep going after God. Whenever things break loose in your job or your family or whatever, we keep going after we keep going after God. This isn't a game to us. This isn't just, well, this, we're going to go to church on the way to lunch, bless the Lord. No, we're here to go after, we're here to go after God, to know His heart, to know His motive, to know His intent. Quill and Priscilla, they didn't stop there. They kept moving. Say they kept moving. They went to the town of Corinth, and in the town of Corinth, they started this. They did, needed something to do. They, they did what they knew to do. They did what was in front of them. They started making tents, and while they were making tents, they met a, met a man by the name of Paul. Whenever they met Paul, and they started realizing that Paul was a man after God's own heart as well, and just like them, they started building a relationship, and then they went uh, on, a, on a ministry trip, and they met Aquila and Priscilla met a man by the name of Apollos. They led Apollos to the Lord and started developing Apollos and discipling Apollos. And Apollos eventually became the pastor of the church at Corinth. But if they would have stopped just because it looked like the devil shut a door in their face, they never, never would have met Paul. If they never would have met Paul, they probably would have never met Apollos. If they never would have met Apollos, they, they, he wouldn't have ended up becoming the, the pastor of the church, one of the greatest churches of all time that you and I learn from on a daily basis but because they kept moving. See, just because it looks like a failure doesn't mean it's a failure unless you quit. Just like it looks like, if it looks like the devil shut a door, that door is not shut. You keep moving. It might be shut, but keep moving because the next door is going to be better, but you got to keep moving. See, it's, it's in these times when it, it, things look like a failure, things look like hard, they're hard, things look like they're coming against you, that Romans 8, 28, look at that scripture. It becomes a reality. Just go back up a few few verses there. And it says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. We know that all things... Now, this isn't talking about a car wreck working for your good. It isn't talking about God orchestrating any of this. It's talking about when a person is after the heart of God, they're being led by the Spirit of God, they're praying in the Spirit, they're, they're trusting God with all their heart. It's saying that whatever the devil tried to tear your life apart with, if you will trust God, all things will work together for your good because you love God and you realize you're called according to His purpose. It becomes a reality that God is going to take whatever we give Him and He's going to build it and He's going to increase it and He's going to advance the kingdom of God, His plan and purpose upon the earth. Don't you quit, church. Do you hear me? Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Now go back to verse 35, and here's Paul, this same man, and he, he begins to talk about who shall separate, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now this is a man in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can look at it in your own time, but he begins to talk about all that he faced. 
because he was going forward and he says, you know what? Even though I was left for dead three times, left for dead three times, he was beaten to the point that he was left for dead. He said, even though I was whipped with stripes five times, 40 different stripes, he was whipped. Even though I had three different shipwrecks out in the middle of the sea and I'm sitting here floating on the wood, I wasn't crying, why, Lord, why? Why me, Jesus, why me? He said, no, I've learned some things. Whenever they thought I was going to die, I realized that the greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He said, whenever it looked like I was going to drown at sea, I realized that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Whenever I, they, 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 they hit me with stripes five different times, 40 different ways, I realized some things. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he says, you know what? I realize that not famine, not peril, not sword, not nakedness, not a broken ship, not a bloody lip, not anything else is going to separate me from the love of God. And I've learned, verse 37, that I can look in the face of trouble and say, yet in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. How, how, how do you look at problems? Yes, give the Lord praise. See, this word more than conquerors, more, more than, it's a, it's a, compound, a compound word in the Greek, and it, it's hoopernikos. Hooper is where we get our words. And this is what this word super means. When he says more than, it means your first, your, your first class. You're top notch. You're above. You're superior. Listen, listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you, and I want you to picture the Spirit of God looking at you. Now, and this is what he's saying, you're first class. You're top notch. I don't care what you're facing right now. You need to realize in Christ Jesus, you're superior. In Christ Jesus, you're over this thing. In Christ Jesus, you're above this thing. In Christ Jesus, the word conqueror means a super champion. It means that you're, you're above and beyond, that you're a victorious warrior. So when he combines it and says you're more than a conqueror, he says you're an over overcomer. You are superior champion. You are a first-class warrior. You are a top-notch winner. You have what it takes to be everything God has called and created you to be. So when Paul was speaking this, he wasn't talking from a place of, well, I hope I make it. No, he was talking from a place of who he was in Christ Jesus. And he says, I've realized that I don't care if this whole ship blows up. I can look right in the face of it and I can say I'm more than a conqueror and I will come out of this. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how everything's going to happen, but I do know the end result and that's I win. I overcome. I'm more than a conqueror through Him who gives me strength. Amen. Give Him praise, church. We're more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We doing okay on time, Pastor? Verse 4. You got all day. All right. I'll try to teach the 50 hours of teaching I was talking about. I'll try. I'll spit it right on out there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Now listen to this. It says, for the weapons, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God. How, how did Paul get to this place where he could look in the face of trouble? He could look in the the face of sickness. He could look in the face of pain. He could look at the face of lack. He could look at the face of destruction and he could stare right through it knowing who he was in Christ Jesus and declare that I am more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. I'm a first class warrior. I'm a first class winner. I'm a top notch believer. That's who you are. Say that's who I am. 
And you need to start seeing yourself that way because that's the way that God sees you is first class. God sees you as top notch. God sees you as you have what it takes. And so Paul begins to write to the church at Corinth here and he says, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. What weapons is he talking about? Well, hold your place right there and, and go over to Ephesians chapter 6. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. They're mighty. Say they're mighty. They're mighty. I'm just going to read it to you. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, we're talking about what are those weapons, the weapons of our warfare. The, the word warfare is a military term. And in the Greek writing, when they use the word warfare, it wasn't just some, well, let's, uh, let's watch Ninja Warrior on TV. No, this word warfare meant that these men were trained to be warriors. And they had winning in their taste buds. They had winning in their mind that whenever they were called to battle, they wanted to run to the front of the line. They didn't want to hide by everybody. Oh, bless God, I hope they don't hit me. No, when he uses the term warfare, he's talking to people that think different, believe different, speak different, act different, walk different because they realize they are different. So when he uses the word warfare, he's talking to us, the body of Christ. Think different. That whenever an obstacle comes, don't you run from that thing. You plow right on through it. You speak to that thing. You tell it to dis dissipate in the name of Jesus. Don't you back down from the powers of darkness. He's already been defeated, remember? You've been delivered from His power, and now you're in a greater power, the kingdom of Almighty God. And now you're renewing your mind, and now you're renewing your believing, and now you're becoming who you're originally created to be. He says, you've got some new weapons. What's available to you? Some new weapons. New weapons. Say new weapons. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Very interesting that Paul would use this word whenever he uses the phrase, Finally, my brethren. This word, finally, think about what the book of Ephesians holds. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus and he's teaching them about our redemption and he's teaching them about the grace of God and he's teaching them about the structure of the home and he's teaching them about the structure of the church and he's teaching them about your relationship with your boss and your relationship with other people. He's teaching them some life-changing truths. But he gets to the end of the book and he says, all of that doctrinal issues, it's very important. You need to get a hold of it. But if you haven't got any of that, finally, you need to get a hold of this. And he uses the word, my brethren. It comes from a Greek word that means where two twins come out of the same womb. In other words, you're cut from the same cloth. And at this time, Alexander the Great, he was the warrior of that time. And, and he, he thought when, he believed when, no matter what he faced, by the time of 18, he had already possessed empires. By the time of 30, he had almost conquered the whole known world. And so these soldiers, it was an honor whenever they would get recognized by Alexander the Great. And so the commanding officers at certain battles, they always had their eye out for that one who stood out, that one who thought different, that one who believed different, that one who moved different, that one, there was just something different about him. And throughout the year, they would, they would have banquets and they would get these long stages together and they would bring these warriors up that were different, say different, They'd bring him up on the stage and Alexander the Great would stick his arm around him and he would say, my brethren, the same way that I think when, 
And anybody who gets in my way, they're coming down. And any obstacle that gets in my way, I'm going through it. I'm going over it. I'm going around it. But I'm going to go where I'm supposed to go and do what I'm created to do. This man thinks the same way. Now listen, the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And He's saying that you and I are on the stage with the Spirit of God. And He's saying the same way I think when, you think when. The same way I, I think believe, you, you think believe. The same way that you are, have a victorious mindset, you have a victorious mindset. The Holy Spirit is sticking His arm around us saying, My brethren, just like Alexander would stick his arm around those warriors and he would identify my brethren. My brethren, we're cut from the same cloth. My brethren, no matter what we face, we overcome. No matter what we face, we're victorious. No matter what we face, we keep stepping. My brethren. So Paul is saying, finally, if you hadn't got anything else, he's sticking his arm around you and he's saying, you're cut from the same cloth and the Spirit of God is in you just like the Spirit of God is in me and he's saying, you have what it takes. He says, finally, my brethren, you be strong in the power of His might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. Say, I'm able. I'm Remember, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about the weapons, the weapons of our warfare. We're talking about not backing down from a fight. We're talking about going, going to where we are created to go, and that's at the front line, and that's to win. Say, I'm created to win. And he says, but you need to put on the whole armor of God, not just part of the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. Whole armor that you may be able to stand, that you may be able, that you may be able, that you may be able, that you may be able. The word able comes from the Greek word exousia, which, which means dynamic power, dynamic strength of power, that you may be able to stand. The word stand comes from a Greek word steneo, which means that no matter what, you're standing your ground. Stenea means it paints the picture of a soldier that has been trained to win. That's all they think is win. That's all they think is overcome. Because at this time, you got a picture. Paul is connected to a Roman soldier in a cell, and the Holy Spirit starts talking to him about you and I. He had us on his mind when Paul was in that cell. And Paul begins to study this Roman soldier from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And the Holy Spirit starts to show him what we have in the spiritual realm to win and to overcome. And Paul begins to write. And this, he isn't writing in a, a nice, soft voice in the Greek writing. He is writing with the strongest, authoritative, commanding voice there was. Not suggesting that, well, bless God, it might be a good idea if you stick it on. No, he's saying, you're in a new family. You're in a new army. And you've got to put it on. You've got to make a decision to put on the whole armor of God that you realize that you're able. Say, I'm able. I'm able to stand. Stanea, standing your ground. It painted the picture of this soldier with his shoulders back and his head high. And, and he was confident because he was trained to win. And he knew that if he couldn't win by himself, he had a government that backed him up. No matter what, he was going to win. And you and I, we need to stand with our shoulders back and our head held high, knowing whose family we're in, knowing whose army, whose side we're on, knowing who's in us, knowing that if I can't win by myself, I've got a kingdom that backs me up, that regardless, I know the outcome is I win. 
He says, but you've got to put on this armor. These are the weapons that you've got to fight with. He says, if you had not got anything else, finally, my brethren, you're up on center stage of life. This is not a dress rehearsal. You and I, were on the center stage of life, and today the Holy Spirit is wrapping His arm around you, and He's saying, you've got to put it on, my brethren. You've got to, you've got to realize that you're able. You've got to realize you're able to overcome that hurt and that pain and that addiction and that problem. You're able to stand your ground. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. You're able to be everything God has called you to be. You're able to go everywhere God has called you to go. You're able to be who God has called you to be. Say, I'm able. I'm able. I'm able. I'm able. You've got to get to the point that you look the devil right in the face and you tell him that you tell him, I don't care what I'm dealing with. I'm able. I'm able to overcome. I'm able to win this fight. I'm able. I'm able. Say, I'm able. See, some of you don't believe that. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to believe God's Word whether I feel like I'm able or not. We're, we're not moved by how we feel. We're moved by the Word of the living God, right? And He says, the weapons that you have to win, picture if every person in here believed they were able to go everywhere God had called them to go and to do everything God had put in your heart to do. What if every person believed that they were able to overcome that doctor's report? You're able to overcome what the economy is saying. You're able to overcome what people are saying about you. What would happen if every person in here made a decision today that I'm going to rise up and I'm going to realize I'm able. I'm able to go forward. I'm able to keep running my race. I'm able to fight the good fight. I'm able to win. I'm destined to win. I'm created to win. That's who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I am able. That's who I am. You know what would happen? Our spheres of influence would change. Your businesses would change. Your families would change. Why? Because we realize we're able. We're able. we got the Spirit of God in us. we got the Kingdom of God backing us. We are able. We're standing there, not slumped over. Bless God, I'll just get in the crud kicked out of me. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Bless me, Jesus. But when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you say, you listen to me. You're able. I know there's pain attached to it. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard, but you're able. You're able. You're able. You're able. Nay, in all these things, I'm going to look right in the face of that problem, and I'm going to declare I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a top-notch conqueror. I'm a top-notch champion. I'm a top-notch winner. That's who I am in Christ Jesus. We're able. Say, I'm able. Able to do what? He goes on to say, we're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Now, whenever he says that, that we're able uh, to stand against the wiles of the devil, I'll come back to that. For we do not wrestle. Wrestle, this word wrestle comes from a Greek word, palea, and it's referring to a, 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 like a stadium where morning, lunch, and evening, these boxers and res- wrestlers and pancreatus is what they call them, they would train, and there were no rules in this battle. And they thought different than everybody else because the boxers, they, they, I mean, they would have spikes on their gloves and wire wrapped around them. And you've seen maybe the old pictures where their nose are half mo- removed and their ears are off because they were in a fight. In other words, they were saying, you, you don't wrestle against people that have a lot of rules. You wrestle against somebody who doesn't care if he kills, steals, and destroys in your life. There are no rules to him. He doesn't fight fair, but you've got to realize that you win. Regardless of the intensity of the fight, you win. 
He says you've got to put on this whole armor because you're able to stand against. The word against in the Greek is a word pros, and it means to be eyeball to eyeball. Paul was saying you've got to understand there's going to come a time in your life when you're standing eyeball to eyeball with principalities, eyeball to eyeball with powers, eyeball to eyeball with the rulers of darkness of this world. Has anybody ever had any evil in your life that you stood eyeball to eyeball with? He says, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but you're wrestling against, against. In other words, he's saying there's going to come a time when things get intense, but you've got to know how to fight. Remember what Paul was speaking to the church at Ephesus? He was saying, finally, all that other stuff, it's great, and we've got to have our home in order and the church in order. He says, but when it comes down to it, you've got to know how to kick tail and take names. And how do you do this? You've got to make a decision every day. I'm going to put something on. What am I going to put on? I'm going to put on the whole armor of God because it makes me able. Able, not in my own might, but in His might. The word might paints a picture of a man of great strength. It paints a picture of the power of God, the strength of God, the same strength that flung galaxies into existence, the same strength that split the Red Sea, the same strength that raised Jesus from the dead is the same strength that's in you and I. He says, when you put on this armor, this is the same strength. It's painting a picture of of needing a container for power to come in and power to flow through and out of. He's needing a container. And who are the containers? You and I. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. He said, I need you to make a decision that you put on the whole armor of God. And when you put on that armor, you become that container that is full of power that yeah, now you think when, you believe when, you speak when, you walk when, you talk when. That's who you are. We are able, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, So he starts painting a picture. Remember, let's go back to the cell. Paul is attached to the Roman soldier. And the Spirit of God is revealing to him what you and I have. And he says, Paul, I want you to write. I want you, he inspired Paul to write. And he began to write. Why? Because he knew you and I would read this. And he wanted the same Spirit that gave Paul that revelation to be the same Spirit that's in you and I that gives us the revelation that we begin to see ourselves differently. We begin to think differently. We begin to talk differently. We begin to believe differently. We begin to believe in alignment with the Word of God. And he says, but this is something that's very important. You, you've got to daily, you've got to put on your belt of truth. You've got to daily put on your belt of truth because the belt of truth, what happens whenever a person doesn't have the belt of truth or the person doesn't put on the belt of truth? It'd be just like, you know, Paul starts with a, with a very boring part of the armor, but he understood the significance of it. He understood the belt had held everything else together. That if the man didn't have his belt on, he would be running in a fight. He'd be running on the battlefield and his breastplate of righteousness would begin or his breastplate would begin to flap in the wind if he didn't have his belt on and it would eventually get in his way or fall off just like you and I if we don't stay connected with our belt of truth the only piece of the armor we can hold and see our sense of righteousness begins to flap and eventually if we stay away from our belt of truth long enough 
we lose that sense of righteousness. I didn't say you lost your righteousness. I'm talking about that sense of righteousness, that confidence in God, that you belong in the presence of God. You belong in the throne room. You belong in a place where you get your prayers answered and His eyes are over you and His ears are open to, to your cry. And the belt, He's saying if you, if you don't have your belt on, eventually what's going to begin to happen if you and I, we take off our belt? What's eventually going to begin to happen? Your, your pants are going to get a little bit baggier than they were because you're doing what you're created to do, right? And you're eventually going to sweat, hopefully, or you're going to, you're going to do something and eventually your pants are going to get baggy and one... One time you were running your race with confidence and purpose, but not anymore because you lost your belt and now you're moving a little bit slower because your drawers might fall down. But when you have your belt on, it don't matter how intense it gets, you can keep running because you're confident in who you are in Christ Jesus. See, on the, on the belt of truth, on one side there was a clip for the shield of faith to, be, to hang, letting us know that our shield of faith is connected to the belt of truth. Your faith is connected to the Word of God. If you, you take off your belt and you lay it down, you have nowhere to hang your faith. And eventually, where one time you were a victorious warrior who no matter what, you lifted up your shield, now you don't have anything to hang your faith on because you took your belt off. Or maybe on the other side, there was another clip for the sword of the Spirit. One time you were equipped, you were ready to fight, you were ready to do everything God had called you to do, but because you took your belt of truth off, now you don't have any place to pull your sword from, so you've lost your sense of righteousness, and you've lost your sense of faith, and you, you don't know if you're going to win or not, because you don't even know, you, you pull it up and it looks like a butter knife to you. An intimate relationship with the Word of God determines whether you win or whether you lose. See, winning and losing, it's our choice. Not God's choice. He's already chosen you and I to win. Now stay with me just a moment. I'm getting ready to be done here. But I, I want you to picture, do you think, when you come out of the kingdom of darkness, and you came into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and our God is a God of purpose, Right? And when he designed this helmet, when they come in into the Roman army, it wasn't a one-size-fits-all gear. Their heads were measured, their legs were measured, their chest was measured, their hands were measured because they had weapons that fit them. When you come into the kingdom of God, God has designed a helmet of salvation that is designed to fit your head. And every time you get in the Word, you are securing that helmet that protects the way you think. Because if you didn't have a helmet on, the enemy would come with a battle axe and try to take your head off. And the enemy tries every day if he can get your thinking, get you swimming in unbelief and chop away at your thinking about healing and chop away at your thinking about the power of God and chop away at your thinking about finances and chop, chop away and he gets you, he gets you to take your helmet off. He will take your head off and he gets your head, he gets your life. But you come into the family of God and when God created this helmet for you, he knows that if you'll put it on, he didn't create anything to fail. He says, if you'll put this helmet on and you'll put the Scriptures around your mind and you will think the way I think, you'll eventually believe the way that I believe and you'll talk the way that I talk. This helmet is designed for success and He hands you the breastplate of righteousness knowing that if you'll put this on, you'll realize that you belong in the presence of God. You belong in the throne room of God. You belong and you are created to win and He hands you the shield. See, these shields, they, they designed them in a place that they were, they, they were the right and they were the right width for every warrior that came into the kingdom of God. 
in these shields of faith, they were, they were layered with six different layers of animal skins. And if they didn't keep their shield anointed with oil, those shields would become brittle. And then when they got out on the battlefield, if they were brittle and they weren't saturated in the oil of the Holy Spirit for you and I, in battle, the pressure would come on them and it would obliterate the shield. And not only did they, every morning a warrior who wanted to live a long time anointed his shield with the oil of the Holy Spirit, he would also dip it in water. Why would he dip it in water? Because when he ran out on the battlefield, the fiery darts of the enemy would come at him, but that shield saturated in water would quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. You have what it takes to win with a helmet. The Father has given you a helmet and He doesn't expect you to lose. He's given you a shield and He doesn't expect you to lose. He's given you a sword and He doesn't expect you to lose. He's given you shoes of peace and He doesn't expect you to lose. He's given you the belt of truth and He doesn't expect you to lose. He has given you everything that we need expecting you and I to win. You have what it takes to overcome anything that you're facing. You have what it takes to win against the wiles of the devil, the mind games of the devil. You have what it takes. We have what it takes. I have what it takes. I have what it takes. Today's a turning point in our life. That you and I, we've come out of the kingdom of darkness and now we're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's a daily process of renewing our mind to the Word of God and a daily process of putting our helmet on and our breastplate on and our sword and our shield and our shoes and, and our lances and everything. It's a daily process. And the, every day I put it on, I'm growing farther away from just... Because a lot of times we just want to get saved and we want to get right in the side of the borders of Christianity and I want to see what I can get away with. I want to see if I can just bear it. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. But man, bless God, I don't want to change my life. I want to keep doing what I used to do and all this. And, and really, is getting the crud kicked out of you fun? So every day, I'm changing the way that I think. You're stepping farther away from this, this old sinner who was saved by grace. Now you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you realize grace is now empowering you not to do whatever you want. It's empowering you to keep stepping farther into your relationship with God to run your race with more intensity grace is empowering you to think on new levels believe on new levels talk on new levels live on new levels and you keep applying the word day in and day out and applying the word day in and day out and applying the word day in and day out you wake up and you realize that I can put these shoes on and when I put these shoes a piece on I'm going to step and I'm going to step on purpose. When I step into the ring, I know I'm coming out the winner. This obstacle that I'm facing, I've got my shield and I've got my sword and I know the outcome. I win. And you, you have, you have, it, it takes work to go back and try to remember who you used to be because now you think different. Remember you're on stage and the Spirit of God is saying, my brethren, you have what it takes you're a new person. The same way that Jesus overcame, now you overcome. The same way He thought when, believed when, spoke when, talked when. That's, that's what you got. My, my brethren, you've got what it takes. You've got what it takes to be who God's called and created you to be. Every person in here, you've got what it takes for your family to stay together. Every person in here, you've got what it takes to prosper and increase. Every person in here, you have what it takes to be free from that thing that has tried to just box you around year after year after year. Not today. You realize I've come out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of Jesus Christ and I have what it takes to win and I'm no longer going around that mountain again. I'm going to step and I'm going to keep stepping and I'm going to keep stepping because I am able. I am able. I'm able. I'm able. I'm able. I'm able. In the morning when you get up, I want you to look in the mirror 
And I want you to tell yourself you're able. I want you to remind yourself of what you're created to do and what you're created to be, who you are in Christ Jesus, you're able to overcome. You've got the helmet on. You've got what it takes to think right. You've got what it takes to, to keep that shield of faith above all, keeping your shield of faith. Keep that faith out in front of you, not beside you, not behind you. Keep it out in front of you. You have the faith that you need to do everything God has called you to do. You have what it takes. 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 Why do I keep saying that? Because I, I get fed up with the body of Christ getting the crud kicked out of them. You have what it takes. And us to just keep staying right where we're at. Believe me, there's going to be battles. There's going to be opportunity. The devil does not want you to win, but you've got to step into that battle knowing with the mindset that you're a winner. That's who you are. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You have what it takes to believe God. You, you have what it takes to forgive. You have what it takes to love. You, you have what it takes. 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 You yourself have what it takes. Please see God speaking to you directly. You have what it takes. You have, say, I have what it takes.